Welcome to the Fearless Launching Show. I'm your host, Anne Samoylov, and today our guest in the studio is Pamela Wilson. Her main site is called Big Brand Marketing, so she knows something about branding your business, a little something. Um, but she's also known for her contributor spots on the Copyblogger Media blog, as well as Constant Contact. I really think you'll enjoy our conversation today. We do talk about that first launch and what she did, what she launched, how it was different. But then we also go into some really specific things that you can do to improve your branding and understanding what your brand is in the first place. Well, to understand my first launch, you have to probably understand where I started. I started my own business way back in 1992, and I'm a graphic designer and marketing consultant, but completely offline from 1992 all the way up to 2010. So, you know, getting clients by referrals and networking and building my business kind of by hitting the pavement and doing it all the old-fashioned way. Um, And it was in 2009 that I started, late 2009, that I started learning more about online businesses and decided to transition to putting a lot of my business online. And I knew that that was going to involve doing something different and creating a different brand. So that was how Big Brand System started. And it, it was basically because I met so many people as a marketing consultant and graphic designer who needed services like the ones that I offered and who really, for whatever reason, either they were just starting up or they were kind of pinching pennies, they couldn't afford to hire someone. And at the same time, you know, technology being what it is now, a lot of them had tools on their desktops so that they could do some of the work themselves if they understood what to do. Right. And I always wanted to help them. But like I said, they couldn't really afford me. And it, it, it really scale to help people on a one-on-one basis. So I decided to start Big Brand System because it was a way to reach out to this audience of people who needed services like mine and and were kind of hands-on types and they liked to DIY things and to give them some guidance so that they could do some of this by themselves. The idea is they start out doing some of these things by themselves and hopefully grow their businesses to the point that they can hire someone and um, and it doesn't scale for them to be doing thing, things by themselves. But there is that transition phase that I think everybody goes through when they're starting out a business where they have to do things themselves and those are the people I'm, I'm helping. That is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that your, your story isn't unlike a lot of people's where they were doing something professionally for a long time. I mean, there's only so much, how, so far you can scale that. And, and really, if you see like a true need, then you realize how many people you can impact by starting, you know, so, so, so it sounds like then you started your site really to start educating and giving people some of those tools. Right. And I started the site with the idea that I was going to have this mastery program, this teaching program that I would invite people to. So the site started at the beginning of 2010, and by May, I had a course put together. I had taken Teaching Cells, which is a product through Copyblogger Media that teaches you how to create online courses. So this was my first online course. So I put the first course together, and I I offered it in 
um, May of that year. So that was actually my first launch. Wow, you did, uh, you kind of did it fast. I mean, not fast because you were obviously doing it already and you were, you were doing this professionally already, but it sounds like. The online course thing yeah. is really fast. And I got to tell you, I did it completely bass backwards, as they say, because, <laughs> well, because they all tell you start out with something small and create a minute product and test the market. No, not me. I created a 20 part course with audio, video, you know, text. I mean, I did the whole thing and it's been awesome actually. I mean, that course is still offered and, you know, people have gone through that and, and that's kind of the most comprehensive thing that I offer. So it's been great. Um, but it was totally backwards because I, I definitely should have started a little bit smaller. <laughs> but I mean, I just dove right into the deep end. Yeah. No, that's exciting. And so how, what, how like big was your reach at that point of doing that first launch so quickly? It was fairly small. It was fairly small, although um, sometime during that year, I was able to guest post for Copyblogger for the first time. And so that started, and that's been wonderful. Um, they have me as a regular writer. They kind of keep a slot for me every month. So um, that's been a great way for me to reach out to their vast audience, a lot of whom aren't really my target market, but some of them are. I mean, there's enough of an audience there that there's a percentage that is interested in what I talk about. So that's been a great way to build um, reach and, and guest posting for other other places. I guest post for Constant Contact, for example, about email marketing for the most part. Um, and you know, these kinds of interviews and creating products with other people puts me in front of other audiences as well. So it's, you know, there's always ways to reach out and expand your, your, uh, your market. Yeah. I love that. And you know, the thing about it's interesting because I think that people are afraid to go for those bigger kind of places, but like, copy blogger or pro blogger or something like that. Um, but I've actually, you actually have to do less of them in a weird way because there's, if you find the right bigger kind of, I guess, place to guest post that, that kind of keeps coming back to you. I mean, and, and I, I honestly just did one post on pro blogger and it's still like, I have kind of those people marked a certain way in, in infusion soft. So I know when they come from pro blogger and I see like a consistent flow of people just from one um, post. And, and it's interesting. You said you have like a monthly, so like you're like a contributor every month. Is that what yes. you said? Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that, be, that, um, now that you are a contributor and not just a one timer that 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 actually also has helped have you seen like kind of like a a little bit of a growth for people who kind of click through and find you i think so i people start to know your writing they start to know your topic and so you know people in the comments will say things like oh pamela it's good to see you back on copy blogger and yeah. you know that's that's great to see i you definitely it's like a snowball right like anything mm-hmm. else it's it's a snowball so it starts to build the hard thing now is that copy blogger and pro blogger are not really taking guest posts anymore so the, the <laughs> I thing gotta to, i literally like i my guest post was accepted and the next day they took down their guest posts. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh I my mean, gosh. It's, it's hard. So, I mean, but if, you know, for anyone listening, what I would recommend actually is to find blogs that are up and coming that have 
the same or similar audience to the one that you want to serve, but obviously hopefully have a larger audience than the one you've already managed to gather and target those blogs, get them when they're on their way up and send them really high quality material so that hopefully they'll ask you to come back. And, and constant contact, which that's an interesting one because a lot of, a lot of product and, and online service based kind of companies like constant contact, like I'm thinking even my project management service that I was using, Rike, they have a blog and AppSumo, not AppSumo, um, Buffer app, they have a blog that, uh, those are some interesting places that, that might also be kind of like up and coming. More people are using those tools. Therefore their blog has a little bit more, I don't know, push. What do you, and, and I guess I'm veering off, but really the question I have is how did you go about approaching constant contact? Do they just have a guest posting inquiry form or something? <laughs> the, it, you know, it all, it, this, this goes back to my original business. It was like person to person networking. I knew somebody who took a job with them as their content manager. <laughs> So, and I knew him, I, you know, we had gone back and forth and I'd done a little bit of design work for him at one point. He actually took my mastery course. So it was somebody who I knew. Um, and so I wrote him a note and congratulated him on his new position. And I said, look, I know you all, cause at that point they weren't even really taking guest posts because mm-hmm. uh, they have a whole team of in-house writers who write their blog for them. And I said, look, I know you don't really take guest posts, but you know, I like yeah. writing guest posts. And so if you want the kinds of things that I do, let me know. I'd love to talk to you about it. And he said, yes. And so yeah. again, he's got like a every month slot for me on the constant contact blog. And it is a good match for the audience that I'm trying to reach because a lot of people use constant contact as like their beginning email marketing program. You know, mm-hmm. that's how they get started with it. And some of the businesses that I'm trying to reach are the kinds of businesses who have like a brick and mortar store and they have a little list next to their cash register <laughs> where they ask you to, I mean, you've seen those, mm-hmm. right? And Absolutely. constant contact kind of specializes in that kind of business. So um, I enjoy posting for them as well. It's kind of an unusual choice, I know, but it, it works for me. Since you did that first launch, did you notice that this is something that the the people who go through fearless launching specifically kind of come across, like they'll do their first launch. It might be really small, maybe no sales, but it's more for, let's say, you know, new subscriber push or something like that. But do you feel like your business do you feel like you learn something new or there's like a business change or a shift every time you launch? Do you feel like something gets more honed? Do you, what, what happens during the launch in regards to those changes that we yeah, dis- absolutely. or discoveries or business discoveries really? Yeah. And uh, you know, the funny thing about launching and I'm, I'm sure you cover this, but I've spoken to this to many people about this to many people and to many of my like product co-creators. We talk about the whole emotional roller coaster of a launch that you go through this thing where you're working so hard to put together this thing that you're going to offer and you're so excited and you kind of throw open the doors. And then when this whole avalanche of people doesn't come streaming through, it's, you know, it can be a real emotional roller coaster where you're getting sales, but not as many as you'd hoped for. And, you know, you get kind of down about that. And then sometimes you get a little surge at the end and then you feel better. And it's just this whole, it's kind of like blind dating or something like, you <laughs> know. know what I mean? Like you go, I know. 
you go out with somebody, you know, you think they might be great and then you meet them. He's and the one. <laughs> they've got spinach in their teeth and it's like not as exciting as you thought. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, there's this whole thing. And so to me, the biggest thing that I've learned from launching over and over again is that um, I expect those things now. I expect those waves of, you know, up and down and, and feeling exhausted and still having to push through. And, you know, at the point that you're sick to death of the whole thing, you still have to send out an email to them, and, you know? So, um, I've gotten much more used to that, to that sort of drama of the launch. And now I, I do expect it. And, and I kind of, embrace it at this point. You know, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah I do too. And I, you know, there were times though that I, uh, even in the last year, launching a launching program that I was like, I never want to launch again. And I'm like, wow. But it's just because there's that, there is that emotional roller coaster that you definitely go on. There's a lot of drama that can, that you can allow yourself to kind of, it, it just, it, can potentially get you off track. So I always, um, just, you know, tell people to, ex- to expect at least a little bit of it. Um, yeah. Oh no. I mean, I have a mastermind group and we, one of the jokes was we should invent a launch cocktail, a post and it's made up of everything in the cabinet above your refrigerator, like all the alcohol you have, you just mix it all together. Because <laughs> it's just, it's, you're just wiped out by the time yep. it's, it's all done, you know? Yep, definitely. Um, so then during your launch, do you have, um, so obviously, you know, to expect the roller coaster, do you have a way of approaching launches that, not necessarily helps you not have the roller coaster, but, but that you like when you like to use like a strategy you like to use, a way you like to launch, uh, like an approach to launching. I'm trying to find the words here, but really like, you know, you know, some people like to do their product launch formula launches. Some people like to do email launches. Some people like to do it like where they're including a bunch of partners. Is there is there a type, a way that you like to launch? That is a great question. Well, I, I mean, I don't follow any kind of formula because I am a big believer in adapting your launch to the product that you're launching and the audience that you're launching to. So I think you need to, um, you need to have general launching skills and know what the available tools are, but then put them together in a way that makes sense for the particular product and the people you're trying to reach. Um, but the one thing that I do, and this is something that Pace Smith taught to Kelly Kingman, and <laughs> Kelly Kingman included it in ebook evolution, actually, in the launch guide that she wrote. And this has been super helpful, like for everything. I'm a big planner. So, you know, two months to six weeks before launch, I'm planning. I'm planning all the different things I'm going to do. I'm planning the content I want to create around it the guest posts I want to write. I'm contacting people to see if they want to be affiliates. I'm, I'm busy with all of that. And when I get into that mode, I have way more ideas than I have time to implement. Mm-hmm. But I don't <laughs> want to forget them, right? So what I do is I, I get them all written down. Like as they come to me, I write them down. And then at some point early in the launching process, I divide them into tiers. So this is what these are Pace Smith's tiers, okay? We have <laughs> tier, no, tier like T I E R, okay? T- yeah, yeah, not tier. actual tiers. No, no, she's not crying while she's yeah. talking about this. So. Hey, but first, can I just say, Pace Smith, um, I think 
her voice is what you need to listen to if you want to avoid a lot of the roller coaster because she can, if you just listen to her talking about launching and just like, just in general, she is a calming presence. So she listen does. to this tears <laughs> bit. I love Pace. Yeah. I wish I could do it in Pace's voice, but anyway. <laughs> um, so what she recommends is dividing them into tier one, tier two, and tier three. So tier one is mission critical stuff that has to happen so that you can launch your product. Like, I mean, sounds really obvious, but like your product has to be ready. Um, you have to have a way to offer it so that people can pay for it. Right. Sounds kind of dumb, but you probably need to pe- put those people onto some kind of a mailing list so that you can follow up with them. Um, you probably, for most products, are going to want some affiliates, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, so these are all very basic things. Like all of those things absolutely 100% must be in place before you can launch something. And then you have, and so this is, again, going back to this long list of this like brain dump of ideas that you've um, put on paper. So the next tier that you try to plug things into is called really good ideas. Okay. (laughs) Tier two, really good ideas. And so these are all ideas that would make your launch more effective, but they're not absolutely essential for your launch to, to happen. So things like, for example, I know, you know, you want to talk about ebook evolution. So if you're launching an ebook, one thing that ebook authors often do is they give a free excerpt of their ebook. They put an excerpt on their website. So that would definitely help to sell the ebook. Um, you know, having right. a sales page that's very much expanded with video, for example, you could do a video around your product, not absolutely necessary, but it might help, you know, um, guest posting on some of those blogs, like you said, that might be a little bit of a reach for you. You could try to get those guest posts. So those are all really good ideas that would probably help your launch. They're not absolutely essential though. And then tier three is what she calls the, that would be cool tier. So these are ideas that would be cool. They, they would be really cool, but you probably shouldn't do them until you have your mission critical ideas and your really good ideas done. So this is things like, you know, asking friends to write reviews of your ebook or creating a series of blog posts that leads up to your launch, you know, adding more bonuses to your product, things like that. Things that would make it extra cool, but that you don't absolutely have to do. That's awesome. (laughs) No, I'm remembering it too. I feel like, I feel like, is this, did she, um, I'm remember trying to remember now, did Kelly interview Pace about this? She did interview Pace as part of the ebook evolution product. She actually incorporated this into the launch guide that she wrote that comes with ebook evolution. So, and we created a worksheet where you can write out your tier one, (laughs) tier two, and tier three ideas. So we have a place for you to plug these things in. Thanks for reminding me of that. I'm going to go grab my file because I'm in the middle of doing that very specific mission critical, but I didn't like, I didn't categorize, I didn't go down to tier three. I need to do the the, that would be cool list. Um, so because, you know, some of those ideas you have floating around in your head are really, that would be cool ideas. I mean, it's like, you know, yes, we could do that, but you know, is there really going to be time? So yeah, it's, it's, I found that just doing that before launch and 
you know, completely unrelated launches, launches that are not at all related to ebook evolution. I dig out my little tier one, tier two, tier three worksheet and I'm <laughs> printing it out and writing, scribbling things down on it. And it's very helpful. Awesome. I love that. Um, so tell me then about, tell me more about ebook evolution and, you know, I don't want to, use the word evolution again, but tell me about its evolution, like where it started and where it is now. Like what, well, how did it change? Yeah, it did change it. It changed yeah. a lot. Well, um, the product started back in um, March of 2011. I went to South by Southwest and met Kelly Kingman for the first time there. And somebody, we were both at a party and somebody grabbed the two of us by the elbow and like stood us in front of each other and said, she wrote an ebook about ebooks and you have ebook templates. You two need to talk to each other. <laughs> so I literally, you know, so we started talking and she said that a lot of people who bought her sticky ebook formula would then come back to her and say, okay, now I'm excited to write my ebook. You've given me some guidance. You've shown me how to get it written, but like, how do I get it created? You know? Yeah. And by that point, I had my mastery program. And as part of that mastery program, I had created these ebook templates using OpenOffice, which is free open source software, which is awesome, um, to, you know, help people create either a horizontal or a vertical ebook. So we did start talking and I, I said, you know, I put together this thing and people are finding it really easy to create ebooks with these templates. They were very basic, kind of generic templates, templates that you could then customize once you got your hands on them. Right. Um, so we very, actually very quick, quickly, I mean, the first conversation about ebook evolution happened in April and we were launching at the beginning of June. <laughs> That's awesome. Very quick. Yeah. That is well, great. she has sticky ebook formula. I already had the templates. I had to modify them a little, little bit, but, and then she wrote the launch guide. I, you know, created a logo for it. Like we created all the pieces for it. And then launched it in June and it, it went really well. And the nice thing, I mean, the great thing actually that helped that launch a lot is that Darren Rouse decided to feature it on ProBlogger. So it was humming along really well. And then he wrote something on ProBlogger and sent an email out to his list, which is like, Aww. you know, humongous. By the way, and Darren is I, I got to see Darren speak at World Domination Summit. I just like, I like, it renewed my, my love for him. I, I just saw that video oh. in the last week. It's amazing. Yeah. He's a really neat person. I mean, we were so grateful that he decided to pick it up and feature it. So that really made that launch kind of take off. So, um, and then of course we could say ebook evolution featured on pro blogger, which was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so. no, that is great. Well, here's the thing. Like, I didn't know that it was such a fast, really fast turnaround then from when you first talked about it to the actual launch. So that's really, two that's thirds really cool. of the product was already created. Yeah, so but that's honestly, great. you know, we focused on the marketing piece of it and then Kelly wrote the launch guide and I designed it. So yeah, we were just, it, you know, we felt kind of under the gun because summer was coming and we didn't want to be launching it in July or August, which, you know, they're kind of dead months, you know. Yep. So uh, the big push was to get it out at the beginning of June when people were still had their business thinking caps on, you mm -hmm. know. 
So that went along. You know, we went, kept going throughout um, 2011, 2012. We developed an on demand webinar called the Ultimate Ebook Kickstart, yeah. which is a lot of fun. It's a, an interactive um, webinar and it's delivered where people can sign up for a specific time and they're sent reminders and then they can log in and watch it. And then we direct them to a sales page afterwards. And that's been a great way to keep interest in the product. And it's a nice kind of very robust free thing to offer to people that hopefully motivates them to, to look into the product itself. So what, that what was, back end did you use for that? What was, I'm using you? evergreen business systems, which I don't know if you know anything about evergreen business systems. It's, it's actually, it's actually kind of slimy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it, it's got all this stuff built into it where you can try to fake people out that they're watching a live webinar. Oh, right, right. And I, I just don't use any of that. I mean, we just tell people it's an on-demand class and sign up for this on-demand class. Like, I'm not going to pretend I'm there giving the webinar live, you know? Oh, do you mean like there's things like it shows people showing up, a certain number a of people? A fake list of people showing up. Oh, my gosh. It's terrible. Okay, then I so will not. I, I mean, I will. I just don't check yeah. those buttons <laughs> off, you know? Yeah. I mean, I look through and I'm like, yeah, I'm not checking off any of the slimy stuff. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. So it's, it's just an on-demand demand class. And the nice thing about doing it on demand is that it makes it more of an event. So people sign up, they say, what day could I watch this? Okay. Yeah. Tomorrow at five would work. And then they're sent these reminder emails, go ahead and log on. It's just about to start. And then they log on and they watch it live. So, and then you're able to do some things like if they don't make it all the way through, you can send them one kind of email. And if they do make it all the way through, you can send them something else. And that's cool. Yeah. It, I mean, there are a lot of great things, and then I just avoid the slimy parts. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness, <laughs> and I've, yeah. I've used it for more than one product at this point. It's working. It works really well. So um, so that was in 2012. And then toward the end of 2012, Kelly approached me and said, you know, I I think I'm not the ebook lady anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I she she basically asked if I would purchase her half of ebook evolution and, and take it on. So, um, and I, I did think about it very briefly. I was like, well, maybe this is the end of ebook evolution, but no, it's so awesome. (laughs) Let's just make it better. So, um, so what I ended up doing was doing some things to the product that people had re- requested for a long time. And one thing was that a lot of, a lot of people wanted to be able to create Kindle ebooks and iPad oh, ebooks yeah. using yeah, yeah, the yeah. templates. And they weren't really set up for that. They were really set up to create PDFs. So, um, so I worked with someone who to write an EPUB guide and then I created an EPUB template, an EPUB specific template that's very kind of stripped down so that when you input your ebook into this template, it comes out nice and clean and it looks great on a Kindle or an iPad, whatever you put it on. So that I did. And then the other piece that I did is that a lot of people said, I mean, it's great that these templates can be customized, but I'm not a designer. I have no clue. And do you can you customize the template for me or can you, and again, it was like, well, I could, but I, you know, I would have to charge you a lot of money to do that. So (laughs) one of the things that I did is I developed these 
pre-designed templates so that people could basically download them. And again, they're still editable. So something might have, you know, like a red background and you can take that background and change it to blue if you want. But the design decisions like fonts and spacing and Mm -hmm. page layouts and callouts and all of that, those are all made for you. So you can then go in and edit them, but they're it's basically set up. So they are true custom design templates. So I added that to the product as well and then made three versions of the product, premium plus and templates only. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting because I remember the first time around, I loved the open office. Um, you did some videos in, or videos or instruction on how to use open office. And I had never really known that opened my whole, whole eyes and even just, even using, actually it opened my eyes and using pages because I had never set up my drawer of styles kind of that little yeah. area and that changed so much and, and open office just got way easier. Open (laughs) Office is so, it's such a great program. I mean, it was a dream come true when I found that program. Because over the years, I've had design clients who've said to me, can you set this up as a template for me? And there wasn't really an easy way to do that. Word is just not conducive to it, you know? Um, So Open Office, uh, I mean, there are things in Open Office that I wish InDesign did, you know? It's it's very powerful and it's unbelievable to me that it's free and it's also very well supported online. I mean, you can Google almost any question you have and stick open office at the end and, and somebody's already posted about it or somebody's got a blog about it or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just amazing. And then there was something else that was in the new, the new version, the new stuff. Wasn't there some, wasn't there a new launch guide or well, was something updated about that or was that still from the, the last version? It, well, Kelly went through and did some updates on the launch guide. So that's okay. updated and, and, um, ebook, the uh, sticky ebook formula was also updated. So we went through and did, I mean, really minor edits because it was in pretty good shape. So, mm-hmm. um, the main changes were the EPUB guide, the EPUB template, and then these custom design templates. And then just putting it together into these different packages according to people's needs, because not everyone wanted those custom design templates. If people came from a design background, they don't need the custom design templates. So there's a product for them that's perfect for them. And this is where I'm going to like go back out to just asking you about like launching and really this is for me too, because I have such a bare bones way of doing everything. How important is branding to your launch? And do you feel like people have to have something, some established look, custom something in order for there to be, I don't know, a lasting effect from their launch? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, my definition of brand, I do focus on the visual quite a bit, but my definition of brand is a bit more comprehensive than just how it looks. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really the feeling that people are left with after having interacted with your business. That's what a brand is. So it's, it's more, you know, it's the brand happens in your brain, not necessarily just (laughs) in your eyes. Right. So it's like this feeling you walk away with after having interacted with a company. And part of that feeling happens because of the way a brand looks, but that's not the whole picture, right? So um, although I, I mean, I do think when you're just launching something new and, and honestly for anything, it's helpful if you have a visual brand that's memorable, that's also complemented with what I call the verbal brand. So those are things like the name of your business, the tagline of your business, 
um, that basic brand message, I call it, I mean, I call it your big brand story because I brand it, of course, but <laughs> it's basically that those two or three sentences that you might have on your about page or that you use to introduce your business to people who don't know anything about it. So it's making sure that there's a cohesive story between the verbal things that you're using, the verbal, you know, words that you're using to describe your business and then the visual way that you're presenting your business. When you can get those things working together and very cohesive, then you start creating a brand that's remembered by people, that makes an impression in people's minds. I mean, the great thing about doing business online especially is that you really can evolve your brand over time. So I encourage people to do very minimal things like picking colors that they want to use, even colors that they want to use on their website, for example, for their headlines or for, you know, little accents on their website, picking some basic colors and some basic fonts because fonts say a lot about your business. I mean, they really, fonts have quite a personality. So if you can make some of those very minimal initial branding decisions early on, and then, you know, you can even wait and get a logo or a site header later or, or not, just not even use it, you know. Um, I think minimal branding can work really well too, but it, it is important to make some basic decisions. I mean, not making any decisions at all is also mm-hmm. a branding decision, right? So, <laughs> I know, I know. You know, people who have their site, like they take it right out of the box, they use a WordPress theme, take it right out of the box, don't tweak it at all so that it looks like everybody else's site who has that WordPress theme I mean, that's kind of an, a non-decision and that's, that ends up being a decision. You know, it kind right. of looks like you don't care that much. So I, you know, I do think that some very minimal things can go a long way. I'm wondering besides like font, headlines, colors, what would be like, what would be that next baby step after that? Fonts, headlines, and colors are a big piece of it. And then the other thing that I talk to people about is what we just mentioned, that that brand message. And and those, you know, all of these decisions really need to come, the, the thing that comes before all of them is understanding who you're trying to reach and what motivates that group of people and what their challenges are and all of that. You need to kind of get inside their heads. And that's when you can go back and say, you know, these are colors that will resonate with them. These are fonts that will work for them. For example, suppose you have a site that's trying to appeal to people who are 50 to 70 years old. Well, you don't want to use this teeny tiny font that's really hard to read, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it's just things like that. You need to have that basic knowledge in place. And then it you take that knowledge and apply it to these kinds of visual decisions that you have to make and you um, use it to develop a brand message that will communicate what you have to offer to that group of people. So that's your, that's your business name. That's your tagline. That's your, that basic brand message that I was talking about. When you have those things in place, really, that's a lot of the story. I mean, I come from the print world, you know, where you had to make a commitment to your branding decisions and sometimes print brochures, 10,000 brochures that you spent, you know, $15,000 on to print. And boy, you better hope that you made the right branding decision, you know? Yeah, exactly. yeah, you know, in the I online lo- world, it's very easy to tweak. So I, you know, people say, Oh, I think it has to be all perfect for it. And I just want to laugh. It's like, you have no idea how, how 
uncommitted you can be at this point. And I mean, I, I do think it's important to get these things in place as early as possible because then you put time on your side. Mm-hmm. As time goes on, people start to recognize your materials and there's this nice momentum that develops when they are exposed over and over again to your materials and your brand, they just start to recognize you, you know? Um, So you do have to put it in place at some point, but it's, it's very low commitment on the web. I mean, you can go in and tweak your colors in five minutes and, and get out of there and you haven't spent anything but five minutes of your time. It's amazing. Well, I love it. I love it, Pamela. Like the understanding who you're trying to reach is kind of like the whole, it's like your whole business here. You know, and yeah. if, if you, if you're starting a blog, if you're doing anything, if you don't know who you're trying to reach, you're probably not going to reach those people. You right. know what I mean? Well, I, and I, the only reason I even say it, it sounds so basic, right? Mm-hmm. But so many people, they make these font and color decisions and they're trying to decide what they like. Mm-hmm. I don't know what color I like best. I don't know what font. I can't decide. But it, it actually makes the process so much easier if you take yourself out of the equation and try to put yourself in the shoes of the people that you're trying to reach. So if you say, you know, what will they like? What is going to resonate with them? It, you can actually make the decision better, oh, faster, yeah. and, and you're less kind of emotionally involved in it. You know, you just make the decision, you make your best guess, and you put it out there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I Actually, I really love that because... I do, I find that same thing when people are choosing something that they're going to be launching. They, they're, or I get tons of emails about people wondering, oh, does this sound like a good title? Does this sound like a good blog post? And I always go back to them with, well, it doesn't matter what I think. I'm not actually, ask yourself what your readers are going to think about it. Right. Who cares what I think? think. It doesn't matter what you think or I think, yeah, that's really, that's really sexy. And it, it's so much more fun in a way when you just take yourself out of it and just imagine this person who really needs what you're creating and, and is waiting for you to finish it, you yeah. know, and waiting for you to offer it and waiting for you to launch it. And just imagine everything that you can do to try to reach that person, all the kinds of um, ways that you can deliver the message of your product to that person so that they can find it and it can help them. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fearless Launching Show. If you'd like to learn more about Pamela Wilson and her big brand marketing site, as well as wherever else she is appearing these days, she does a lot with copy blogger media, so you can definitely find her over there, as well as Constant Contact. Uh, She's still appearing on that blog regularly. And also, check out the show notes below because I've listed a bunch of things that we talked about in today's episode. And one more thing. You got a question for Pamela? Leave it in the comments below or reach out to her on one of those social media networks that I've listed. And finally, 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 thank you so much for listening to the show today. I really appreciate it. And I'm hoping that you got some useful advice here about building your brand, improving that brand message, and really understanding what it takes to build a business is getting in touch with that first person, that person, that ideal individual who is looking for what you can teach them or how you can solve their problem. You really owe it to that person to focus on finding them. And, you know, 
I love that it always goes back to the basics, no matter if we're talking about branding or blogging or writing or what we're creating or how we're launching. It goes back to your who. So have a great day and here's to finding our who.